You're listening to Kiwi Roots Rugby Podcast. Let's go! Okay, welcome back to another episode of Kiwi Roots Rugby Podcast with your host, Scotty Poynton, and my good friend, Felix Filippo. And guys, what an epic weekend of international rugby. And there's one point that we can't hide from, and it's the Northern Hemisphere takeover. Would you agree, Felix? It is unbelievable the way they're going. There's just no denying it now. Uh, they made a... Yeah, they all three teams, England, Wales, um, and and France. And this morning actually with Ireland beating Argentina. They just they all made statements. They 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 dominated. I th- there's no other way to put it. Yeah, there's no, it's not often that a weekend goes by where a southern hemisphere team doesn't get up for it. I feel like we should note this down in our calendar or something as a memorable day in international rugby history uh, a, a pivotal point in world rugby where the powers have shifted oh, i totally agree but what, what are these guys doing differently like they're bringing the intensity from the beginning that's one thing that's blaringly obvious i think that they the, yeah they're bringing the game yeah. to the teams right and they're not yeah. playing as the underdog they're playing as hey no no we're here to play like yo you guys got to get up for us not the other way around and that comes with great preparation, studying up on your opponents, um, creating and designing and believing in a new brand of footy. I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen across the board from these Northern Hemisphere teams. They have an identity that they're not uh, shying away from and they're able to just enforce their will on these Southern Hemisphere heavyweights. Mm. So strange to see. I wouldn't say... Maybe, maybe struggle. Yeah, maybe struggling is is the right word, but just seeing just seeing the teams like your South Africa's, like New Zealand, um, just enabled to adapt in real time. So, big question marks across the board. I don't think this is purely an All Blacks thing, um, but at the same time, let's not take away from just the sheer determination and excitement that we're now finally starting to see from the Northern Hemisphere teams. It's not that old, slow rugby that we're used to, right? It's very forward-dominated, um, used to playing wet-weather rugby. You get the kick here and there, but it seems like there's a little bit more X-factor in their backline these days, and it's uh, a lot of the youngsters coming through that I notice are playing with that um, that confidence that you just don't see from a young fella. Um, yeah. How's that first five for um, England? Marcus Smith, eh? Marcus He's, Smith. I mean, yeah. The, the hairstyle something else but <laughs> and the baby um, <laughs> he's 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 given it a go eh like yeah he was near perfect off the off the boot uh he yep. was getting around the park and he was just taking it to the to the south africans the, who, who were the defending world champions and who are like perhaps the most physically imposing team oh, yeah. in the world and world rugby and he's just playing with this I don't know, with this poise that you'd normally see out of a 10-year veteran, it's it's awesome to see, eh? Yeah. Well, how do you think the game would have gone if Owen Farrell was in the hot seat? Similar? You know, oh. I, I like, well, I like that 10-12 combo. Um, but, yeah, 
that Owen Farrell, he's he's yeah, he's a guy who just, who doesn't shy away from the big games. He he, he thrives in a day. Yeah, I, I think the big difference I'm seeing from a lot of these Northern Hemisphere teams is their forward packs. They're they're adapted to this new style of rugby. They're not slow and sluggish and you know relying on their strength anymore. A lot of them are actually bringing the the pace and the speed that they were missing previously. Yeah, and the combination of speed, strength, and yeah. and you know, pace and power, it's, it's hard for the Southern Hemisphere teams to combat. And, and any backline can look great off uh, a good forward pack, right? Yeah. Mm. Well, they've always had the intensity. They they love that physical nature. Now they've armed and equipped themselves with a really expansive, creative style of play. You can, um, you can probably point that one down to just coaches being a lot more creative in the um in the lower leagues preparing these guys um you know in the pod system they've revolutionized that and it's just caused a lot of confusion for these um southern hemisphere teams to to adjust to to all these all these footy players who they probably haven't spent a lot of time studying up on all of a sudden playing with this confidence and this uh, this flair that we're, we're not used to seeing it's it's great for world rugby oh, yeah. but a massive headache for you know the traditional heavyweights to to try and um yeah f- find a way find a way through yeah you talk about that different style they're bringing um with the pod system but the effective use of dummy runners eh, is really um tearing defenses apart and france used it really well against the all blacks uh, particularly with that uh intermuck try where that yeah. that runner was coming across and it actually held up Adi Sevilla of all people for two yeah. seconds, but that was enough to create that hole and enough for him to crash over and score the try. And yeah. when they showed that replay, it was like, wow, that okay, that that's amazing the way they did yeah. that. And what what that is is the setup and previous phases that um, gives the All Blacks all these different pictures they're, they're, the pod system is designed to be flexible mm. whereby it, you, you don't know where that ball is going is it going up the back is it going to the short guy is it going to the one further out and so those tries are built on multiple phases of different different options yeah yeah keeping the um the defense guessing and just and just constantly throwing themselves at that all blacks defensive line and 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 all of a sudden you're you're going to get you're going to get guys making the wrong decisions yeah biting inside um, i mean we saw that um in the what was it the um south africa england game yeah you know yeah. a world a world class um second five like dialende mm. bites on the ins gives the f- uh, first five help and then boom, his out shoulder, his outside shoulder is exposed for a, a nice, nice break up the middle for England. So these guys have have brought their own style to the pod system, and they're just thrashing it. And I mean, how do you combat that? Uh, yeah. You know, that's it's going to be a massive headache for for all the coaching um, staff involved. But yeah, it's it's possible. It's possible. Big time. Who who would have thought our own tactics <laughs> could be used so well against us? Well, well, what what we've seen is you know a dis- a wide distribution of Southern Hemisphere rugby intellectual property 
just just going just going everywhere. You've got coaches who don't want to stay in South Africa, coaches mm-hmm. who don't want to stay in Australia and New Zealand, and who've had to make their mark elsewhere. So they're getting, you know, they're getting British players, French players exposed nice and early to an expansive style of rugby, and they can get used to it at that club level, mm. master it, and then that's how they they can get into the national um, national scene and and play with that confidence with uh, two three years of playing expansive footy. Yeah, yeah. and I think every um, every one of those Northern Hemisphere teams has a staple young fella who's come through the ranks and is absolutely destroying it. We've already talked about Marcus Smith. I mean, he's had the last two weeks for England um, with Owen Farrell out and played amazing. But you've got Tane yeah. Basham in the Welsh team, 21 years old, um, tearing it up. And again, I saw him against the, the Australian team and he was not holding back, man. He was pushing yeah. forward and didn't matter if he was 21 or not. Yeah, um, He wasn't taking a backward step. I think I saw him even... Um, sort of square up to slipper who's 32 <laughs> yeah no nah, i did see that yeah <laughs> yeah i was like oosh this fella um and then you've got bloody for the french um muvaka hooker Bro. scoring two tries <laughs> how good was that man yeah, i told oh. you man the new age wingers <laughs> or try scorers are the hookers yeah, you did say that. Yeah, yeah man he got himself a double and he scored the previous week against georgia as well but um Man, these young fellas coming through, if this is what we've got, you know, in front of us now, give it five more yeah. years and oh, the, the level of rugby rugby and the quality of it is just going to be out of this world. Um, well, it's 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 actually, you're, you're touching on something really important and I'm probably going to skip a couple of points here, but I mean, do the All Blacks, you know, do they shift quickly to the youth movement and perhaps redistribute their senior leadership uh, crew instead of having them all on the park at the same time because there are times we I mean I I love these two where Sam Whitelock and Brady Ritalik just looked a little a little yeah. gassed yeah. a little and, and you know let's be honest they they've been there for you know two other world cups three actually yeah and um you know I I love them maybe Maybe you have one on the bench with um, with a younger lock, but with these northern hemisphere teams just just gunning every offensive yeah. set, getting rid of it, applying pressure on the kick chase, mm-hmm. and then just and then applying even more pressure on their defensive sets. It's there's no there's no time for rest. Nah, nah. All those games were like done done and dusted so fast and. Um, you know, it's it's good to see. I, I love expansive running rugby yeah. and I love different iterations and styles of it. But I think probably more so the All Blacks, not so much the South Africans, um, have a lot of, yeah, have a lot of tough, tough choices to make. So, and that yeah. could be one of them. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, man, and I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, yeah, the next couple of years in, in world rugby is going to be, going to be interesting and yeah foster needs to recognize what's blaringly obvious in front of him and adapt and pretty bloody quick because uh you saw the headlines this week <laughs> yeah. a lot of question marks hanging over foster's head um yeah. you know uh, let, let's there, there can be two sides here like if, if we look at the first one which is 
okay, he's just got the role. He, you can clearly see he's bleeding in some new players and he's bleeding in the, um, the, the future of All Blacks rugby. And you've got all these other teams that are putting their best, absolute best foot forward against the All Blacks, getting up for the yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have to go through this period and there's no better time than now, two years out. We've done it. Yeah. Every every four year cycle we do this. So Foster's following the same system as his previous successes in Graham Henry and Steve Hansen. Um, but this time around we're just not as successful and what are the factors into that? Is he making too many changes? You think? Or, or by staying true to that to that World Cup cycle of having a core group of players, perhaps I mean, and I, I go back to that leadership point. It's 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 maybe you you keep you you shorten the amount of players from that senior leadership group, given that they they are a little bit older, um, but also at the same time you have to bleed through a core group of young players so that they can get consistent game time, like the French have. You know, that's that French team was built back in 2015 when they was it 15 or 16 when they won the under 20s and so many of that core group is still together in this team now mm. they've they've played so long together and they've matured together yeah and so we need to look at something similar where we could have five or six players who are of you know um you know like your taukiahos yeah. um man i mean he was one guy that looked really good who came on but oh. you know he needs he needs his his boys that are of the same same generation that they can just be like, look, I know what your tendencies like. I'm going to give you a short ball. All that kind of non communication stuff that comes with time, and I I just think that the the All Blacks should invest in something like you know bringing that core group of young guys through. Yeah. You, Instead you, of trying yeah. to like distribute young guys around the senior leadership group, you yeah. kind of rev- flip that on its head and go the other way round. Yeah, because one one yeah. thing that we're missing out is is combinations, which is what you're pretty much talking about, right? Is yeah, set in stone combinations where they know yeah. exactly what's going to happen, and we 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 haven't been able to build that in this tour. I mean, the only only consistent positions that are really been week in week out the same is potentially Geordie Barrett at fifteen. Yeah. And maybe yeah. the two props, uh, yeah. and and the and the locks. That's probably about yeah. it. Hook has changed yeah. most weeks. Yeah, your your Lucy trio has changed, whether that's positional or player. Um, halfback's been changed. Everything. Yeah. So how are we supposed to build some some continuity and you know some flow when guys are coming in in and out? It's just yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Man. We, we can give them the benefit of the doubt and say this is the year of investing in the players who or, or researching the players who are mm. going to take that next level next level up yeah. um, and I think we've definitely seen some um, some key guys like your Will Jordans and Geordie Barretts who've like pretty much stamped their mark on a mm. starting jersey when we're talking about our combinations um, I want to allude to like it affecting our attack particularly with the All Blacks yeah and it can potentially be the same in other other countries but mainly with the All Blacks you notice in phase play we're not really threatening a lot of the our attack is coming off like counter attack yeah we've got a kick yeah 
or or it's a set play. If we don't pull it off, well, shit, we're in trouble and we're kicking it away. Yeah. <laughs> but there's not a lot of yeah creativity. Yeah, like the guys aren't running at pace like you saw with the French, and I saw that in you know games previous to the All Blacks they were doing this and. I might have even mentioned it in an earlier podcast that the French are a team to watch out for because sheep as they look good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but our attacking at the moment is just so, I don't know, stagnant. It's just not, there's no um, punch to it, if that makes sense. Well, when, when we were like one of the first teams to bring out that pod system, it revolutionised world rugby. I don't think we've, we've, um, we've developed that too much or... A, a more accurate way of saying it is that other teams have developed their own versions of it so by pulling yeah. apart and redesigning something that they can own as their own they can always refer back to what the original looks like and what the all blacks have done since that time i don't think the all blacks have been too inventive um hence why the the french can just well, not just the french the irish the week before they can just throw anything at our attacking lines and be comfortable that they're making the right decisions in real time yeah yeah but what is it at the moment with this is a lot of if not all teams are guilty of this at the moment but there's a lot of use of that high ball that 50 50 play where if they well they're trying to put up a contestable kick right and looking for the mistake or the regather but, I mean, that's freaking boring to watch, to be honest. Well, it's, 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 it's boring to watch, but at some point you've got to say, I'm going to, I'm just going to give our team a break from their offensive sets because we're only getting minimal gains of about like half a metre, two metres max. We, we need yep. to stop throwing bodies at stiff shoulders. And, yep. and that's been, it's been, you know, uh, widely known for a while now that, you know, the kick... Um, kickoffs, exit plays are the third set piece. New yep. Zealand yep. is a team traditionally not the greatest at the kick chase and something that they need to address because you, you put up a bomb and by pressuring it you might get a you might get a knock on. Whereas, you know, yep. best that's the best case scenario and that's a reset 10, 20 minutes down the field. Um mm-hmm. but the the you know the very next uh, option would be they're disjointed in their transitional attack when you're giving up possession, and you know your your team knows that an exit's coming. You've you've tried for maybe ten plus phases and you haven't gone anywhere. Your game, your spine decide. Look, time to get rid of the ball. Boom, that offensive line needs to switch to an aggressive defensive set, knowing for a while that they're just outside the opposition opposition 22 they can get a turnover and the ensuing breakdowns maybe a couple of dominant tackles at least you're on the right side of the field which is something that we didn't quite see from the all blacks they there's this type of arrogance that's probably been there for a while now that they can drive 80 90 meters for a score Ironically, that happened to them and with uh, Intermac <laughs> eluding yeah. three of our best players in his own yeah. goal line and went going like 60, 70 metres down the other end. It was amazing to watch. Yeah. So, if anyone's, yeah, if anyone's going to win a World Cup for a country, it's that guy. Hey, dude. him and DuPont are just yeah. the most amazing combination. Yeah. Um, just bringing so much electricity and flair. It's like, wow. 
I don't even care if I'm an All Blacks fan. I, no. I want to watch you fight. I, I, and I was, I was pretty much the same. I was just looking at this and, you know, when you give the young guys a go, that they're looking at these juggernauts in South Africa and New Zealand and they've got no fair aid. They can impose their their will on a, on a game and they certainly did that. Were there any other players that stood out for you in, in these games? Um, oh, Dane Coles. Yeah. Dude, he didn't skip a beat, man. Um, yeah, he's got so much energy. Eh? And he was probably one of the only forwards in that first half that was really running with purpose yeah. and, you know, driving his legs and trying to make something happen. You, you get the likes of Whitelock and Brody and that hitting it up. There wasn't a lot going on there. They'll just take it in, drop down. Um, even the forwards. Probably um, Adi Sevier was probably the next best in terms of his running game. Yeah. I think he had the most carries and most running meters. Yeah. Um, in that forward pack. Yeah. So he was putting in his, his star effort, I guess. Um, from a French point of view, we've already talked about Pont, Intermark, their, their whole team really <laughs> was outstanding. I don't think I could really pinpoint that game down to one particular player. Um, yeah, is there, what about you? Have you got any names that are standing out from that French side in particular or, or, or from the All Blacks? Um. Well, I want to I want to give Quintu Pia some um, some light because he's he's probably one of those young guys that I I I think we need to give this guy more time. Eh? When guys yeah. like him and Taukiako, Adi Savia, and Dane Coles, as you mentioned, when when they were running direct, sure they mm. weren't breaking the line open, but those are those positive plays by which you can set a platform of offensive set plays. Yeah, and no one else was doing it. And so, you know, you can't always just go deep into your, your bag of tricks when you haven't set up a, a, a decent platform of go forward ball like yep. those direct runners did. So if we can find and support those players that we mentioned earlier, surround them with similar similar like-minded uh, players, we've, yep. we've probably addressed like half the problem, which is a lack of physical presence. Man, I, I was looking at that team and think everyone in that forward pack, one to eight, probably needs to put on five kgs of muscle, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, this is probably the first time I've ever seen that from an All Blacks outfit. They've probably gone too heavy in their endurance and skill set side of things and have probably neglected their, their you know, their top-end physical stuff. So, yeah, yeah. If we can, you're seeing it across the board, though, aren't you? All the teams have adapted to play with size. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and now we can't handle it. So it would be very interesting to watch um, what they do in the off season and through the super season whether they do put on some muscle. I, I think they're going to have to, or or you you employ uh, a power style um, uh, outfit, not outfit, but crew. To, to handle yep. the Northern Hemisphere teams, I, I would probably yep. even leave out someone like a Cody Taylor, as great as he is, when we're playing Northern Hemisphere teams because of the physical upside you get from Taukiaho and Asafa yep. Omura as well. Um, yep. So, yeah, I think the South Africans have addressed that really well by having by deploying their quote-unquote bomb squad, bringing them on yep. halfway through the game, and the All Blacks perhaps need to look at a, a particular unit of just raw muscle mm. to, to bring on and say, hey, we're, we're going to match your muscle. Uh, we've, we've got the skill set. We've got the endurance. Yep. But we need good go-forward ball. And that's probably why yep. I, I want to 
you know the coaches to perhaps address the fact that these senior leadership guys probably yeah a little over the hill unfortunately dare i say it there we go yeah <laughs> you talked about revolutionizing parts of the game before do you think that's where south africa is changing the way we utilize reserves where they're bringing on that completely new front row literally two minutes into the second half yeah you, you, like, what is the point, eh, in having those guys run for 60, 70 odd minutes when you've got some fresh big boys there? Yeah. Ready to go. Exactly. And it's not. A, did you see the psychological boost that the starting front oh. row had when they seen that the reserve um, front they row were. They, yeah. And they dominated their last scrum, man. And the commentators yeah. mentioned it. They're like, if you're going to go out, <laughs> you go out with a bang. And. Honestly, that is a masterstroke by the South African coaching yeah. staff by saying, hey, boys, your time is coming up. Empty the tanks now. And honestly, you, you, th- those guys are like like for like, but then you get a, you get someone like a Malcolm Marks. Boy, do you see yeah. that shot he delivered on Kyle Sinclair? He was like, yeah, uh, Sinclair was like fumbling the ball and then whack. That was yeah. probably... Well, that- like one of the most physically intense games of yeah. the of the oh, year, yes. man. Not just that, yeah, there I were heaps of boomers, man. Did you see Courtney Laws? He smoked. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, uh, the, the seven. Um, um oh, Smith. Oh, yeah, Quagga Smith. Smith. He was he like yeah. stepped inside and then whack. <laughs> he, he got smacked as well. Man, Laid the law down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and early in the first half as well. Who was the the starting prop? That Oche guy. Oh, oh, yeah, in yeah, I saw that Bro, one too. Yeah, he, he smoked, sm- he smoked his other one. prop. Yeah, the young guy. It's like, whoa, man. Yes, like schoolboy rugby. It was so again. good. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's that's yeah. one thing I haven't seen a dominant tackle from the All Blacks. Uh, you know, for a while now, they need us. You yeah. know steal tricks from their South African counterparts and deploy physical yeah. units like they do. Oh, well, we, we need a unit like them. Like, that front row they bring on in the second half, you notice their body shapes and types are so different yeah. from the yeah. first three. Yeah. And they're really, well, they're more um, agile and, and they can get around the park, but they're they're hunters as well. Yeah. In, in, the, in that breakdown. Yeah. And you notice the only reason they stayed in that game was penalties. Yeah. No penalties, well, totally different game. England would have smoked them. Yeah. 27-3. And, and you're <laughs> right. We, we our, our props don't have that hunter's mindset or it's not a special trait of theirs, eh? No, no. That's right. They just want to cart it up, do their set piece and do their job. Yeah. And that's really about it. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the way that South Africa are yeah, utilising their full pack, yeah, we need to think of something different like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. So, because there's yeah, and just to add to that point, like there's this um, prevailing thought that the game will finally open up for the All Blacks, and that's where we're going to blitz them for a try, maybe two. But not Mm. against these Northern Hemisphere teams. They figured us out so much that they're just gonna they're just gonna blast you for eighty minutes, and they're just not going to let up. That that's not yeah. coming. That that that, <laughs> that time of them being fatigued, it's not coming. You need to be aggressive from from minute zero. So, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of belief in these teams now. They're just like, okay, we're taking the game to you. Yeah, but we're not taking a step back here. You got to chase us, and you can see that from 
the Ireland game and the French game where they both scored within the first five minutes. And it's not often you see that. Yeah. It's normally the All Blacks getting a penalty and then just slowly chipping away and building and then the other team just chased the whole game and here we are watching them try. But mm. it's, it's, it's us uh, New Zealand fans on the edge of our seat going, okay, boys, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's getting bigger. And that, that whole like, oh, score, score right before halftime and then right after halftime. It's like, no, nah, I think you, yeah. you, you need to, you need to, you know, just – that that had its time in the past it's not going to work against these guys because they're they're not falling away (laughs) yeah (laughs) and they know it's coming too so yeah yeah. well from from the all blacks outfit um was there sort of anybody that disappointed for you or didn't step up rise to the occasion um if i'm going to be honest i i'm probably more critical of our game drivers um so someone like a moanga he sure he was under pressure a lot um yeah he must missed a crucial tackle that, that led to a try these these are the guys that you depend on to shift the the focus of their attack and defense while you're under the yep. pump he probably just needs more time in the driver's seat because yes he's had that on and not on and off again battle with um Bowden barrett but um, he's he's definitely one guy that came to mind. I mentioned Sam Lightlock and Brady Rotelic purely because you know they've probably had already had their best years. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a, uh, another unit. I do commend though, even though I'm criticising Sam Lightlock, I do commend his his decision to to turn down the three and go for the lineout, which Dan Coles unfortunately forced the pass. Which I don't mind because that was the right choice to make. Um, yeah, those, those what are about Sam Kane. Like that's one, but well, I think I messaged you during the game saying, "Where is he?" Nah, man, but he was, was that- he was making tackles. He was making tackles, but I, I mentioned it earlier. We need we need guys who are going to make either dominant tackles or get you turnovers, and he was just making tackles. Yeah. I was like, cool. Yeah. I know this is probably like his first big game back from injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's probably more of an undersized, um, you know, loose Lucy compared to some of the ones that are out there. I, man, yeah. like the game, the earlier game in England and um, South Africa, dude, you know, S- Sam Underhill, is that his name? Yeah. Um, and his, his running partner, what's his name? Tom Curry. Oh, they were yep. absolute menaces in the breakdown and they were just going for it you know you mentioned earlier that they were punished by so many penalties but purely because yep. of their, their aggressiveness to challenge just about every single breakdown mm-hmm. yeah and you know if we we don't have you know Adi he, he can do that but as a number eight you know he's floating rather than getting his hands dirty so yep. yeah some some things to address there um, but I think as far as got guys who didn't step up, prob- probably those guys that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were there were there any uh, players that I've, I've missed out in your opinion? I don't. I don't think so. Those what maybe Aaron Smith. I mean, it was pretty hard for him to come from NPC, you know, local New Zealand rugby, and go into a massive test like that. Yeah. And and travel. Um, 
yeah i think if we had probably a halfback who had been playing with the team for a bit longer yeah um, we might have got a little bit better out of him some of his kicks were a little off but and he wasn't as imposing as he normally is making breaks and um revving up the team i, I don't know i didn't feel his presence yeah he might have been um Although he could have been um, drowned out by that seventy thousand odd crowd, yeah, it was going absolutely bananas. Which it was the same as last week with Ireland. That that crowd is just that must be so like giving you so much motivation eh, as a player yeah. on that field. Yeah, um, in those tough moments, you're looking for that for that uh, motivation. Then there it is. But um, nah, everybody else, I, I don't think they played too poorly. Where we have to <laughs> single them out. So no, it was a fantastic weekend of rugby. So, so yeah, forty twenty-five, um, tough pill to swallow. I was hoping they wouldn't score another try. Yeah, because it makes it looks a little bit worse. But um, yeah, that last try with that intercept—that's intercept. normally something we do. Yeah, that intercept <laughs> was a killer. Yeah, man, and you see Dane Coles—he was filthy, <laughs> throwing his tracksuit on the ground, and yeah. But if that pass had stuck, wait, yeah. It, was, it would have been trying the other end game on but teams teams know us we they know that we were such a like a run run first type of um type of um type of team and that was an easy gamble for for that guy to make oh exactly so change is on the horizon okay let's just go and yeah. trickle through the scores of the weekend so felix can you run us through that please my mate yeah, sure thing. So England getting up over South Africa, 27-26. Uh, Wales doing the same over Australia, 29-28. And another nail-biting finish. Um, and obviously the high explosive game from France getting up over New Zealand, 40 points to 25. What a demolition. Oh, man. Such good rugby to watch. But one thing we haven't talked about, which I think we've sort of been holding off because we didn't want to believe it was true. But the refereeing <laughs> has been diabolical um, for this Northern Tour. Um, and in particular, it was clearly evident in this Australian game. Now, one yeah. key moment I want to talk about is the moment where Kirtley Bell was yellow carded for an intentional knockdown in quotations. Right, Welsh sent it wide. Um, Bell was going in to make the tackle. And as he was going in to make the tackle, the Welsh player went to pass it and he knocked the ball down with his hand. Now, it's, if you put it in real time, it looks fine. It looks like he was just going in, in for the tackle, wrapping the arms, and his hand just hit the ball. You slow it right down, frame by frame, and next minute, it looks like he's intentionally going for it. And, of course, the, the result is he got the yellow card and the um, Welsh team got the advantage. But, but another moment happened not long after that where the Welsh player did the exact same thing but because the ball was deemed to be knocked backwards, the, the, the all the other team, both teams, stopped. But that particular yeah. player just picked, scooped it, and he was looking at the ref, yelling at him, telling him what it was. Ah, oh, it was back. It was back. <laughs> and yeah. he carried on playing. Yeah. He scored a try. But, I mean, like, it's those kind of plays that literally decide a test match that yeah. are just getting ruined by this yeah. freaking TMO. Yeah. Um, it's just frustrating to watch as a viewer but as a fan as well of the game it's just disappointing eh? just yeah what are yeah. your thoughts around it like? well well yeah they're, they're, they've utilized this tour 
to experiments with how that relationship between the referee and the TMO is going to play out. Mm. Now, more than anything, it just looks like the referee's just going upstairs to justify a conclusion that he's he's made up. Yeah. A conclusion that sways the you know, the outcome of the game like too too much. Yeah. And we haven't even touched on Rob Valentini's red card. Mm. But it's it's a good thing you bring up this example because what it does do is it just highlights the importance of why referees need to get their calling right because it affects it affects the player's decision making in real time the fact that all you know the players are stopped they're saying hey we know how to play the game of rugby but you're calling this in a way that we don't know how to react to yeah and do we want to be watching 30 players just pause in the middle of a game because they can't make up their mind or they're, you know, they're unsure with how the referee's going to call it. Yeah. It's, you know, no one wants to see that. No. Now, how many of those instances are the referees going to influence throughout the course of an 80-minute game? It's it's something that they need to look, look into um, improving because that was the worst game of all three. Yeah. Unfortunately, what it did do, it took it took the sting and all the effort out of the Wales, um, the Wales players who the Welsh players who who were playing so well. Yeah, you're going to say their effort was only as good as the referee's decision making. That's that's right. That's it's, it's not how I I saw the game, but I couldn't help but think that way because of the, the just the crucial decisions, which I feel the the referee got wrong um but you know as i mentioned you know rob Valen- valentini gets red carded how did you how did you see that that tackle or head clash was it yeah. a tackle right? oh it certainly didn't look like it was done on purpose um no. you know there's so many accidental head knocks or collisions with the head that are happening in the game at the moment but again you you slow it down and yeah of course it looks bad and, and you and, and the ref feels obliged to go, well, his head knock looks awful. I'm being watched by millions of people right now. And potentially, if I don't get this right, I'm going to be, you know, out of the referee circuit, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll just go with the harshest penalty and then work backwards from there. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the letter of the law. It's just like, ah. But, yeah, you've you got to take into account, like, hey, the, the player that's, you know, had the head knock done to them – has it really affected them? Like, are they are they concussed? Are they on the ground injured? Are they are they still playing? Are they coherent? Like, have they gone off for an HIA? Like, some of these players are, you know, sadly to say, that whole Madonna of or you know the, that soccer influence is coming into the game where people are milking penalties and guys getting yellow and red carded for the benefit of their team and it's just destroying the game, eh? Yeah. Yeah, look, I I understand referees and world, you know, the IRB have have a position to take as you know as far as player safety goes. Yeah, and they're 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 doing their very best to uh, to clean clean all of that up. However, giving a a red card for a non intentional head clash is is one that they definitely got wrong. Um. <laughs> well, you know the funny thing I, I heard on a podcast earlier this week um, from an ex-rugby player and they were actually talking about head knocks 
and you know there's a lot of uproar uh, about um particularly with carl Heyman, who's just come out and yeah. has onset dementia or early onset yeah. dementia um but the the player who was on this podcast said that he took many head knocks and was concussed many times but he actually feels no regret because he knew he was signing up for it, it it's a dangerous part of the sport <laughs> so you know if you throw that into the mix of course the players want to be safe and and the international rugby ball want to make sure the game is as safe as possible but there's just so many um random moments in a game that you can't control that happen so it's, it's like a it's a an accepted risk that you kind of have to take as a player if you want yeah. to be paid to play professional rugby around the world and all the glory that comes with it yeah that's the risk you take yeah and, and yeah which is which is why i i still stand by my position that it shouldn't have been a red card yeah rob valentini was playing so well up until that point as well he was just you know overly aggressive he stuck to his line yeah. and it was an unfortunate collision so big time um I, I don't know how they're going to address that it's it's yeah it's a tough one eh yeah i mean by all means i, I don't want to see players ending their careers and you know with dementia or having headaches nah. for the rest of their life that's not what i'm after and i from a viewer's point of view to be entertained i don't want that to be the outcome but i still <laughs> it's got to be i don't know some uh what's the word i'm looking for um common sense i, I think should come into play yeah. is that the right word for it I hear um yeah. yeah but yeah anyway Let, i mean least uh is this a northern hemisphere thing because wayne barnes did a great job in the weekend <laughs> he let the game go and look yeah. how great it was yeah there was so much thrilling running rugby going on yeah 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 i mean also although they've put in that rule with the um 50 22 right to encourage kicking to encourage running i don't think a lot of teams are actually using that fully to their advantage yet i haven't seen a lot of attempts going on there where they're trying to use that so maybe we're waiting for that to be slowly brought into the game a little bit more as coaches decide how they can effectively use that option and that rule because that's a great rule for the attacking team yeah if we're talking about position i mean why are the all blacks using it we're getting pinned down in our half most of the game all right well let's use this to our advantage i, mean, I guess most teams are defending it with the two people back now but yes yeah well you you need to lure them into this false sense of security that they need to d up on the in the defensive line. Um, so, come up with more creative plays that sucks them up. Yeah, and then boom, there you go. Punish yep. them for for not being in position. So, <laughs> listen to me thinking that I'm a coach, like <laughs> just Here we deploying. Go. Here we go. <laughs> but but yeah, that the, the All Blacks just failed to set anything up, and yep. we're looking for this miracle play that just wasn't coming <laughs> so yeah, yeah need, need to need to tighten that up yeah um, i must say there's a lot of new faces in the, those refereeing outfits from the northern hemisphere perhaps that's playing a role you know that's the new age of refereeing um who's that fella um the guy who refereed the welsh aussie game i thought he looked like a younger version of um yako piper oh okay <laughs> he had the receding hairline the spiky oh. short black hair <laughs> i was like yo uh, it's 
Yucko 2.0. I was, I was thinking of, I, yeah, he looked like a character of a movie, but <laughs> yeah. like, I digress. Let's yeah. <laughs> not go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Oh, well, um, dude, was there any, any other subjects that we need to address today that you can think of? I, I think we've, we've covered it. Yeah. I, I just think, um, these Northern Hemisphere teams played a, a wonderful brand of expansive running rugby that yep. um, pretty much just stole the show. Yeah. Um, South Africa really unlucky to to get up. Um, same same with Australia. They they took the lead with you know with uh, with only a little bit of time left, only to see their opposition they drive all the way down down the field and and steal it from them. So yeah, yeah. Epic, epic weekend of of rugby. Um, probably yeah. just the All Blacks, as we mentioned earlier, got got a lot of work to do. So yeah, I agree, man. I think I think um, in, Foster in, out. Yeah, there you oh, go. Okay, we yeah. said it. <laughs> His position has been stated. Um, but I, I mean, I guess in closing, like this international window has probably been the most exciting, minus the refereeing debacle. It's probably been the most exciting brand of rugby I've seen for a long time. The crowds were electric. The skill yeah. on display was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Teams getting up for games that you don't expect. Um, yeah. It's going to be an interesting couple of years, uh, particularly with this Rugby World Cup. So, yeah, bring it on. Before we sign out, Scotty, I'm going to put you on the Scott. Uh, put you on the Scott. Hey, hey. new segment in the podcast, <laughs> no, guys. Bro, that does, has no ring to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> we ain't doing that. <laughs> oh, but even though you're on the hot seat at the moment, um, I want you to name your best forward and your best back of the round. Uh, just gone. Best forward and best back. Uh, my best back has to be Intermark from France. Yeah, not bad. That was electric, man. Not bad. Um, and my best forward, I'm gonna go with. Kind of have to go with. Oh, I didn't really watch the South African team. You want to pick Malcolm Marks, eh? Nah, <laughs> I was thinking another hooker <laughs> in Muvaka. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, two meat pies. I don't know any other forwards they got them, so that's not a bad shot. There were so many good players in this round. It's actually pretty hard to, to weave yeah. it down to one. So I can only go off what I watched the most, which was the, the French and the New Zealand game and the Aussie, Welsh and, Aussie and Welsh game. So that's yep. why I've gone with those two French players because those two were another level. There and you I go. assume you've got something prepared, Felix, because I'm going to throw it right back at you. Nah, I'm, I'm happy off those two picks, eh? Um, I'll probably even throw in... Um, Marcus Smith's name in there for for the best for oh, the best yes. back. Yep. Just because he was so composed, he was so composed and and really good off the boot. Um, best forward, I really liked what I saw from Eben Etzebeth. He's one of my favourite players. Yep. Sure, he didn't get the win, but he's he's in my opinion um, the world's best lock at the moment and. You take away his physicality from that South African outfit, and yeah, they they probably struggle in the breakdown. So those are my two, um, okay. purely because I thought the South Africa England game was was the better uh, was the better game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool.
cool man okay so what do we got to look forward to we've got the super rugby season starting up shortly yeah, um, february february we've got the uh, major league rugby starting up as well the um super rugby teams were announced today so we'll definitely oh, have to jump online and man that was cool hurricanes yeah, man they are oh, i'm ex- that was one of their best off seasons they've had in a long time yes. some some superstar players in there man yeah no, I'm, I'm looking forward to breaking that down with you and um, putting our predictions in place. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the comments online were like, wow, all these teams are banging. Yeah. So, so watch out, game. world. Yeah. New Zealand rugby is going <laughs> to flip everything on its head and bring in some new guys, hopefully. Hopefully, bro, <laughs> hopefully. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, and I'm sure there's more. But, yeah, those are the two main things off the top of my head. So uh, last but not least, please, if you'd like to share your opinion or give us your thoughts on something that you'd like us to have a yarn about, or maybe you're, you're open to jumping on board and talking it through with us, please get in touch at KiwiRootsRugbyPodcast uh, at gmail.com. Um, send it through uh, and we can go from there. Or if you know us personally, <laughs> send us a soundbite. No, no more than a minute, please. This, um, <laughs> you could actually just send it to us on Messenger. I had one this week, which was really, um, really interesting around the coaching, which is why we talked about it. Um, probably could go a little bit deeper, but maybe we, perhaps we should do a little bit more homework. But yeah, sending a one-minute um, clip of you just asking your question and putting your point across uh, is all we need. We can put it in the podcast. So yeah, yeah man, let's revolutionise this. Go from there. Cool as. So we leave it there, eh? All right. All right signing let's out. Roll out of here. Catch you later.